Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, your 27th of March, Saturday edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Flyers will be back at it today to take on the New York Rangers. And will this be the day? Will this be the day that a turnaround begins? Or just a small step forward where the team can go out and win a game? That's how you have to approach it right now is control what you can control. You can only control one game at a time, and that's how the Flyers have to look at it. And they need to go out today and get a win over a team that they're tied in points with in the standings in the New York Rangers. Flyers and Rangers, identical records. Through 32 games, 15, 13, and 4. The remarkable thing as you look at the standings in these two teams with those identical records is that the Rangers are plus 17 in goal differential and the Flyers are minus 19 in goal differential. Back at the beginning of March, that was not a minus 19. And it's it's hard to believe what has happened over the last couple of weeks. Real quick, before we get to Bill Meltzer, who's going to join us and try and make sense of everything. First and foremost, on tomorrow's episode, you're going to hear a conversation that I was able to have in the last couple of days with Flyers prospect, former Ohio State University forward, Tanner Lashinsky. Now, as I'm recording this, the, the Phantoms just wrapped up their game. one three to 2 Tanner Lashinsky, all three goals, got the hat-trick goal on a shorthanded breakaway. That's number one. We'll talk to Tanner coming up on tomorrow's episode. You'll hear that on Sunday's Flyers Daily. And then coming up on Monday, we're going to break down the woes of Carter Hart with Ingoal Radio, IngoalMagazine.com's Kevin Woodley. He is a goalie expert, and we will talk to him about all things Carter Hart. He got to know Carter pretty well, did a lot of features on him and with him uh, for IngoalMag.com. So we'll talk to Kevin Woodley coming up on Monday's episode. But let's get to Bill Meltzer right now. Let's try and make sense of all of this going on with the Flyers. And he joins us right now. You read his work on PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It's Bill Meltzer. Bill, how you doing? Better than last night, I would say. You know, it was, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, it's funny, you know, and I, I tweeted out earlier today. This is absolutely a true story. If you ever saw the movie Groundhog's Day where Bill Murray wakes up every morning and you know, he lives the same day over and over again. It always starts. He turns on the radio and, and Sonny and Cher is like, uh, I got you, babe. I woke up this morning. I, I walked in the other room. I flipped on the TV. And first thing I see is one of those Time Life music infomercials. And it was Sonny and Cher. <laughs> I got you, babe. So it felt kind of apropos. Bill? <laughs> Not Phil. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, we, it's it's almost like gallows humor, right? Um, mm-hmm. The point that we're in. Uh, I, I tried to explain in yesterday's podcast, you know, in, in covering the team or working for the team or being in the media, we try to divest ourselves a lot of time of, of emotion, right? Um, because we have to be more analytical and, and level-headed. But it's, it's getting hard to divest emotion right now, Bill, when we see the same mistakes repeating themselves and a lack of, you know, kickback when you lost to that team nine to nothing eight days prior and then you give up eight goals against them again and back-to-back six points games for Mika Zibanejad and I also pride myself as a guy that usually has an answer at least I think you know I have my own opinion on what the answer is and how to kind of turn things around but I'm kind of at a loss here are you having the same kind of difficulty divesting emotion and coming up with a, a, a way to resolve what's going on very much so you know you can you know they're going to be they're going to be winning streaks. They're going to be losing streaks. They're going to be you know ups and downs, and they're going to be sometimes where it just feels like you know 
you're not going to win games. I mean, and, you know, he, but I, I, I think that I think the level of underachievement, the, the fact that they go into almost a nightly basis and, and they've been digging holes for themselves to where they need five, six, seven, you know, or more goals to, if they're going to win a game, you know, that gets that gets old very quickly. Um, you know, it, it feels like just a, a very, it's a very frustrating it's a very frustrating cycle. You know, you, you try to you, you try to look at it logically and, and say that, uh, okay, well, this too shall pass. And, you know, uh, some of, uh, you know, some of the guys who's too, who are really struggling will, you know, they won't struggle to this degree permanently, but sometimes sometimes it feels like that's, it's not going to end. You know, it, it um, when it feels like you're watching the same game over and over and over again, and you go into a game and you, you talk about, okay, this is what needs to happen. And it, it, it plays out the same way over and over. It gets, you know, it gets, truthfully, it gets a little mind numbing. I mean, I'm, for the guys on the ice, for for those of us who are who, on the uh, the journalism side of it, it, it uh, you know, it, it it's tough. You know, it's it's not a it's not a fun time. Yeah, no doubt. The coaching staff and Elaine Vigneault and his availability, uh, both after the Ranger game and on Friday, uh, alluded to the fact that. He thought his team was ready to play and come out, and, and it's not an effort thing. Mm-hmm. And and I, I always have a hard time saying, "Hey, a team quit or they're not trying," because they try. Everybody tries and they want to win, but there's a difference between trying and wanting to win than, than playing the right way and doing what it takes to win. Is that part of what you see the issue here? I, I do. You know, I, I don't. You know, I don't think it's that the players don't care. I, I don't think that it's you know, uh, but but I but they don't do the things they that it takes. And, and some and a lot of these are little things, little things that add up, but they add up over and over and over again. You know, when they say the right things, you know, in terms of uh, well, you know, we believe in this group, we play for one another. You know, if you are really playing for one another, this doesn't happen over and over and over again. A, a lot a lot of it has to do with you know, th- things like puck support, moving your feet, and just you know, discipline in your shifts, and all and all those little things that uh, you know make a team a lot harder to play against. Um, you know, not losing your check so so often and so repeatedly. That's uh, you know, th- those are things that when a, that a team is that's on the same page and is you know that, that really is playing for one another. Because you know, you see teams that have significantly you know less ability on paper than this team does. You know, and they're they're a lot harder to play against. They're not giving up nearly that many goals. It's 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 a it's a crazy amount of goals the Flyers are giving up, and it's not over. You know, not over a couple games, over a week. It's it's over. It's over a month now, and it's been sporadically really all season that way too. So, you know, it, at some point, you know, at some point you have to not talk about oh we need to play smarter, we need to play the right way, and actually just you know actually do actually do it. You know. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, Bill, you know, you mentioned that this team has, you know, there's a lot of talent here. There's teams with less talent that are harder to play against. Having talent's good, but talent has to also fit. Does this talent fit together at this point, or is it also a fit situation, um, you know, with the the forward groups, uh, young core, veteran core, uh, you know, D pairings and, and what you have available here? Does Do these pieces just maybe not fit? At this point, and and that's part of the issue as well. I think I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, you know, Chuck Fletcher himself 
alluded to that the other day. I, I, it may have been in context of specific to the blue line. It may have just been the group as a whole. But he said that the, you know, it, it seems apparent that the mix isn't right right now. You know, and, and individually, you can have a collection of good players, but you know, it, it it has it has to gel together. You know, for example, you know, for example, in a D pair, you can have two talented players, but uh, unless you have a one guy who is given to taking charge and and have them on the same page in the way they're communicating, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get mix ups between the two of them. And sometimes it takes a little time to get those guys on the same page, but it doesn't seem like, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it, it's happening. So I, I think you have to look at the, you know, you have to look at the mix and uh, you know, and I, I think it's a chemistry thing to some degree, but I, but I really think, I really think it is a, you know, having the right mix of players. Like, you know, we've talked. We talked how Matt Niskanen, you know, was the, was the perfect fit. He's not the wasn't the perfect hockey player, and he wasn't a superstar, but he was the perfect fit for the team and its needs. They, you know, the pieces are not fitting together right now. It, it's it's astounding, Bill. Where when the team takes such a progressive step forward last year under Elaine Vigneault, and it, so much of it is about the details and the little things that are compounding into big things, and and now it's almost like. When a goal happens, it's a fait accompli. Here comes a couple of goals. Uh, has this coaching staff – see, we're, it's different this year because we're not around – we're quarantined off. We're not around, in the locker room around the players. Can't ever pull guys aside or anything like that. You don't get a vibe like we normally would in a regular season. Uh, but but is, is, is part of this coaching being tuned out? Well, you know, I, I, I think that um... – at least at least right now whatever whatever messages are being delivered you know whether it's in-game adjustments or, or trying to trying to settle things down when they get chaotic or you know i mean on the preparation side it's hard just through the lack of practice i mean as we're recording this flyers just had their first practice in 13 days i think i think there is something to the lack of practice side of it but it's not all of it you know i i think that um yeah i mean i i I, I do think right now, you know, the coaching staff is a little bit at a loss to uh, to figure out how to get this back on track too. And of course, they're they're paid to do that. They're paid to they're paid to prepare the team. They're they're paid to make the adjustments. But I mean, you know, I, I don't think you know. Right now, I think a lot of people, coaching staff, you know, guys in the locker room. I, I think there's a lot of people that are kind of scratching their heads or at a loss to figure out, you know, what do you do. To, to get things back on track right now. You know, the, the one goal last night, I think it was the first goal of the game, uh, where Jake Voracek and Phil Myers were both net front, and there was a Ranger player there. I can't remember who it was off the top of my head. Uh, and Pet Aaron feeds him, and both players are in the right spot. Maybe that's an improvement, but nobody's tying up his stick. Right. Like, why be there if you're not going to, you know, mute the the stick and the hands. That it's it's astounding to me. The, these breakdowns, they're so elementary. But is are they just in each other in their own head right now? And it's the details are just not happening. Well, yeah, you know, I I think Justin Braun touched on that in those in that many words the other day. Um, he, you know, he said this team gets in its own head, and you can look at you look at the number of times. Where you know he said it's a fait accompli, and it is. They give up a goal, and you really worry for the next few minutes because they've given up so many within the next two minutes of scoring one. 
you know, and, and last night it happened again. You give give up that first goal, and then you give up a two one one goal um, that really could hardly have been played played any worse. You know, all, all the way around. Um, yeah. You know, and, and now now you're back in the hole again. You know, here we go again. You know, when you have, and, and it becomes a vicious cycle too. You know, when when the defense breaks down and they, they hang the goalie out to dry, and that's what happened on, you know, really most goals last night, if not all of them. You know, the, the goalie goes, oh, here we go again. And yeah. when when the when there's a stoppable opportunity that that's a, that goes in, um, all the skaters go, here we go again. Yeah. And it just become it becomes a vicious cycle. You know, one of them, one of them will either lift the other one up. Ultimately, Team D and and, and Team Play in front of a goalie, uh, and and goalie. Play. One of them, if it's good enough, will eventually help lift the other. And and if one is bad, it's going to drag the other with it. And right now, nothing. You know, neither side is playing very well, so they continue to drag each other down, and it's, uh, you know, that's that's a hard place to get out of. Yeah, I I go back to my conversation with Elaine Vino a couple of weeks ago on my radio show, and talking about you know after the Flyers score to get within one or tie twelve times within two minutes they've given up a goal, not maintained momentum, not followed it up, and then you couple that bill, and we were seeing an alarming rate right now of giving up goals in the first minute or final minute of a period, and it happened twice last night. You know, you, you go into that second period, you're down 3 nothing. you have a minute 41 of power play time, and you give up a three-on-one break the other way, and it's in the back of your net. Yeah, and, and same thing in the Devils game too, right? Yep. Get out of that first period tied 1-1, you give up a goal in the final few seconds of the period, and now you're you're trailing in intermission. Um, and, and the other thing too, and those those are absolutely just, just killers. They, they take all the air out of your balloon but there's also those little those little moments inside of a game you know where which can can swing momentum yeah and then you know you go back to the devil's game where you know the flyers have a two-on-one on a shorthanded rush and couture hits the post they're trailing two to one you tie the game there who knows right kevin kevin hayes has a shorthanded breakaway shoots over the net yeah um uh Konechny got got robbed by you know by blackwood with a chance to tie the game, and then the game starts to get away from you after that. You know, when you're when you're going well, it seems like you, you know, in those in those little moments, you can swing a game. Whether it's a save you need or, or breaking up a chance from the other side, um, you know, that that can swing things your way, and it can totally deflate you if you don't score. Well, you know, those 50-50 situations, sixty forty situations, even. Yeah, they're not going their way, and um, you know it's uh, that, that's about bearing down and executing more than anything else. Yeah, you know, in that second period after the the you know the the, the Rangers go up, Carter they're on the power play, and or not, I think it's no, yeah, it's a power play, and Carter makes two unbelievable saves, yeah. maybe three, and then there's a, a pass from the right point yeah. all the way across the ice to the dot. Um, yeah. Bill, the game is so much about east-west passes and getting goalies to open up and move side to side. Uh, they got to—I ha- mean, they give up—they give up the third most east-west chances last year. Carter survived that. This year, they're doing the same thing, but they're not surviving it. No, no, they're not. Um, you know, and, and the, the Rangers just kept putting pass through pass after pass through the box last night. Yep. I mean, the, the PK—you know—put it bluntly, didn't show up last night, and. That's pretty disheartening because the PK had actually been something that had been prior to the last couple of games had been trending the right way a little bit again. 
That, that was at least something that seemed to be going. I think they had like about a 12 for 14 stretch, you know, and, and you know, it, it uh, but, you know, these weren't even, these weren't bad bounces. These weren't, uh, you know, like like the one some games ago where Lindblom blocked the shot and just bounced, <laughs> took a perfect bounce right to the goal scorer. There's nothing you can do on one of those. When, when pass after pass is going through the box, across the ice, that cannot happen. You have to take away the middle of the ice, you know, and, and the, the other the other area too is, you know, w- one of the big reasons why the Flyers improved last season, um, denying entries and and strong side pressure, right? Yeah. Um, Teams they're just allowing too much time and space to make plays, and you're going to get burned. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, it's the, the team. Somebody asked me in the Twitter questions last night if you were an opposition coach, what's the book? How do you attack the Flyers? And my answer. And, and it's obvious, is you attack them by getting pucks down by the hash mark at east-west passes on them because they have shown no ability to stop that. And that is a as high danger a scoring chance, uh, with the exception of an in-tight rebound, uh, that you'll get in the NHL. And th- that's the thing, Bill. Like, uh, you know, I kept – I was – I was hey, I'm not worried about Carter. I'm not worried about Carter uh, because he's mentally strong and, and he'll find his way out of this, and this is peaks and valleys. But at this point, uh, it, it's different now. It's It's gotten to a really serious level. His body language, his structure of his game is not what it was. On that two-on-one in the game uh, last the other night against the Rangers, the 8-3 loss uh, early in the game – he he makes that push to the 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 shooter from his knees. He's got to go across there on his edges, get, beat the pass, get to a spot, and be square. Now he's playing the shooter, and uh, Provorov's job there is to take away that pass. Yeah. But his instinct right now is to get on his knees, and that's not gonna that's not gonna serve him. No, no, and and you know it. Uh, yeah, that 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 was a good one. That was a good example where you know, and Provorov played it about as poorly as you can play a two on one. And I think the thing too, though, was that, you know, and, and mind you, you're making the read on the ice and it, it looks, you know, it's so much, it's infinitely easier upstairs, you know, as a play develops, Sure. but it, it looked like Kreider kind of telegraphed that he was passing and, oh, you know, you could have taken away that passing lane there. Once that pass gets across, you know, it's, it's almost 50, 50, whether your goalie gets over and makes a save. But I thought that I thought it was a potentially savable shot. You know, it, it's just been to me kind of in a nutshell with what's gone on with the team this year. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I if you you know if you're on your knees there, you're giving up room upstairs all the time. And, and you know, I mean, listen, it, it, it kind of ended up being a short side goal, too, which is, you know, which which is not what you want to see in really in any situation. But, you know, particularly something like that. I mean, Carter could have played it better, too. Yeah, there's a lot less lateral explosion when you do it from your knees than when you yeah. do it on your edges. There's just no, there's no two ways about it. Uh, Bill, uh, you know, I texted you after the game and just wanted to clarify that could you send Carter to the AHL and let him, you know, refine some structure in his game and, and gain some confidence and because this is a the NHL is a very unforgiving league <laughs> for goaltenders if you're struggling. It, yeah. It's very unforgiving, and nobody's going to do you any favors and hit you in the logo. And guys at the NHL level can shoot just unbelievably accurate, and they they know what he's doing right now. It's it's apparent and it's on film. Is that an option that should be considered? I know Elaine Vino said that Brian Elliott and Carter Hart are going to work through this like everybody else. Um, but do you, do you think that's the right tactic? Well, 
you know, first of all, on a, on a CBA level, yes, he, that is doable because he's still on an entry level deal. So, you know, he's um, he's still he's, waiver he's still, exempt. Yeah, he's still waiver exempt this season. So, you know, from that standpoint, you could do that without having to worry about it. Um, you know, the other problem though is that, uh, you know, who do you? I mean, your your options are a, you know, like. Uh, like as we're as we're recording this, um, Alex Lyon is on his way to. Uh, he might already be in, in Newark to start for the Phantom tonight, but it's going to be his second game in a calendar year. You know, he's, he's really got to get his game game reps and game conditioning back, particularly with the way that the team is playing. You know, in front of their goalies right now, that that'd be a really unfair situation to, to throw somebody into. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, option two would be uh, a completely unproven goalie in, in Felix Sandstrom, who's kind of in a similar situation too because he hasn't played very much. You know, he hasn't been able to get any kind of rhythm in the American League. And your other option would be to to, to sign Zane McIntyre to a two-way contract for the rest of the season because he's in an AHL deal. And McIntyre has a little bit of NHL experience. He has been playing regularly for the Phantoms. You know, then you're kind of kind of repeating a little bit of what you saw a few years ago with Cal Pickard, and they had the, the eight goalie, you know, carousel that year. So, you know, and the other the other part of it too is if you were to send Carter down, you know, could that actually make him spiral down further? Now, you know, there is there is precedent for this, um, and, and and I mean going back to the AHL because we've seen guys at the NHL level like Carey Price really struggled as you know his second full season and. You know, any number of other goalies too have gone on to rebound and have very good careers. I'm, I'm thinking Flurry as well. Yeah, yeah, Flurry as well for sure. Um, you know, if you go back far enough uh, to Pelly Lindbergh, you know, Pelly in his first full NHL season uh, played in the NHL All Star Game. Uh, you know, uh, all rookie team. You know, had never known anything but success. Uh, best goalie the WWJC comes to the American Hockey League. He wins. Rookie of the year, goalie of the year, and and um, you know, and league MVP uh, as a rookie. Nothing, nothing but success after success after success. And then his second full season, the NHL comes around, and he blows sky high. And and he actually ended up, he actually ended up for a couple of weeks going back to the American Hockey League. You know, and thankfully he thankfully he had Bernie Brant there with him, to uh, and of course Bernie was his idol as well as his goalie coach, and, and you know he helped pull Pelly through it, although. Pelly didn't really rebound until his next year, but you know what? The year after that, he won the Vezina Trophy and was a was a was a finalist for the Hart Trophy. So yes, you can, you know, you can have that demotion to the AHL, you can have that disastrous year, and then bounce back and be fine. I mean, that, there is precedent for it. You just have to pull yourself through it. And, and in both cases, you have goalies that were anointed the next one very early and knew nothing but you know success at every level, including early on in the NHL who who hit a wall and just really didn't know how to respond to it. So, you know, it's doable. You have to put in the work. You have to, you know, you have to be mentally tough and and deal with it. So, you know, could sending him down work? Yes. Could it could it backfire potentially too? Um, you know, I, I, I think that they might be at a point relatively soon where even if they don't send Carter down, maybe they just, you know, not shut them down, but you rest them for a week or 10 days. Just practice during that time. Factory know? reset on your phone, right? Factory reset on your phone. Exactly right. And yeah. you might you might have enough games in at that point in Alex Lyon. You know, maybe you'll get a, a third start in there. 
and that's almost like you know about about what you might get in a preseason to where he, to where he might not just dress as a backup or you might think about starting him in one game. I think you know I think all those things are in the table. Yeah, and you also obviously have to be careful with the usage of Brian Elliott and. Um, you know, I mean, he he's getting hacked up back there too, and and look, it's 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 the confluence of so many breakdowns, and it's all breaking down right now. Um, Bill, that we're getting closer to the trade deadline. It's coming up on April twelfth. Uh, as we're taping this, a, a move has just kind of happened here. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens have traded with the Buffalo Sabers for Eric Stahl. They give up a third and a fifth round pick for uh, the veteran forward and. And with the quarantine issue going down to seven days uh, coming into Canada, maybe that will spur some action with the North Division getting involved. They all seem like they all want to make some moves up there. At least that's the rumor mill. Uh, Chuck Fletcher mentioned the other day he, he's not in sell mode, and teams don't seem really too willing to take on uh, anything that's got a cap hit attached to it with the flat cap expansion draft and everything else. Uh, what, what's, the, what's the prognosis in your belief that will happen over the next a couple of weeks here up until that trade deadline for the Flyers. What, what can they What can they accomplish, and what do you anticipate they'll accomplish? Well, you know, I, I think a team, my own view, I, I think a team can be both a buyer and a seller simultaneously. Honestly, I think that's the right spot for the Flyers. It's hard. It's easier said than done with nobody wanting to take on pieces without. Now, listen, I mean, there, there's a caveat to that, too, because teams would – Take on, uh, take on some cap if you are parting with picks and prospects to get them to do that. Yeah, you got to pay for it. <laughs> you got to pay for it, right? You know, it's def- definitely pay to play, and, and and it's the same kind of thing with the expansion draft. You could, you know, you could pay Seattle to not take somebody or or to or to take somebody, you know. But it, but realize that it's gonna, you know, you're you're gonna pay for that. So, you know, I I think that it's it's easier said than done. Um, I think I think as we're getting deeper and deeper into this with the Flyers, you know, position seemingly getting worse by the day to make the playoffs, I think it becomes less and less likely they, they get into the rental market. Um, it's, you know, I mean, now they'll stall. Stall is a pure rental. Now, yep. Obviously, an older center. Um, they part with two picks, you know, kind of mid mid to late rounds. I mean, if you take that, you know, you'll take, you'll take that on hand. I mean, I think you could see – I think the Flyers, you know, uh, so you might see a guy like Eric Gustafson traded, for example. Um, you might have to eat a little cap hit, even though, you know, even though there's, I think, about 1.4, 1.3, you know, would be would be the cap hit for, his rest, for the rest of the season. But if you, if you absorb half of that, then, uh, you know, it's only for the rest of the season. You get maybe a fifth-round pick back or whatever. But it's it's at least a move that changes the mix a little bit, um, gets a player who, um, you know, who just truthfully is not has not fit in very well. He has not you know has not been a successful part of the mix, and that's that's a first step towards something. Um, I, I think long term though, I think that the Flyers are going to look to do something significant and bold. Whether that can be done in season or off season, I don't know. I definitely think they recognize the need to. Uh, Bring in another twenty-minute-a-night defenseman who, you know, is not just a rental, might be here for a long-term period. It may cost you a, uh, you know, a, a roster defenseman to do that. If if it could be done ahead of the expansion draft, it, you know, that then then he would be the, you know, you would protect that player rather than who's on your roster. Or if it can be done afterwards, then you might still, you know, be, be able to work it out somehow. But 
yeah, I, I think that they'll be looking to add a couple of pieces. I, I think they want to be a little harder to play against, you know. Uh, they, I think they'd like to be a little quicker too. And they also, I think, want to take a look at some of the some of the uh, prospects in system, you know, um, over the rest of the season. You know, what? and and I don't think that there's anybody who's going to immediately come in and make a big NHL impact. But you might be able to assess, you know, this is a guy who would come in and help us. Uh, a guy like a Tanner Lasinski, a Wade Allison, you know, it, it's not going to be anything earth-shattering before the trade deadline. There's or, not a savior down there. Yeah, I don't. I, I, there, there really is not. So, you know, I, I think you might see smaller things happen and uh, try to set some wheels in motion for bigger things this offseason if they can get that accomplished. Yeah, I would imagine players uh, with bigger contracts too that the, the real money part of the, the contract is kind of in the rear view. Guys who have front-end loaded deals in the back-end while the cap hit may be higher, but the cash may be lower, that could be something, too, that, that that affects a guy's ability to be moved, I would think, right? Oh, sure, yeah. I mean, real deal, real dollar salaries, definitely. Especially right one. now. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, you know, I, I think that that's something, that's something that, that's worth looking at. When you're looking at players, you know, and you go on, on Cap Friendly or some such website, it, it definitely it definitely um, makes sense to look, to look not just at the cap hit, but what is the what you know? How much money will they actually get in real dollars that you know next season or you know over the remainder of the, the term? Because that definitely that definitely plays into it. Yeah, no question about it. Bill, um, Cam York season got cut short because Michigan apparently had a COVID outbreak and they had to withdraw from the NCAA tournament. Uh, I imagine that Cam, pending exposure, is going to have to do some sort of quarantine. But uh, I guess all indications, at least. We thought that he was going to turn pro. Uh, is it likely that he is going to report and sign an entry level contract? I think the chances are pretty good. Um, you know, earlier today, uh, Brian Smith and I interviewed Brent Flair for an episode of Prospect Pipeline, and we went kind of went up and down the system. Um, you know, he was he was very complimentary of, of Cam York as he should be. He said a you know a really strong season from the World Juniors. It was collegiate year. I, I don't anticipate him going back for his junior season. I, I'll caution people, though, that, you know, I, I think it's going to take Cam a little time till he is really making an NHL impact. You know, he has, you know, you have to learn the pro game. You know, you have to, uh, you have to adapt. He's still, you know, although he's physically strong, you know, he's, he's a smaller defenseman and, you know, you have to, you, you have to, you have to adjust on, on the puck, off the puck. I, you know, I, I think, I think Cam, might debut in the NHL as soon as next season, but I, I would anticipate that his his impact in the league would come more like at about 22, 23 years old, was where you might really start to see what you have. I mean, he's still only twenty years old right now, um, you know. But it would be, it'd be valuable experience, and and certainly I would expect that uh, you know you he's in the mix. Let's put it that way. Whether he whether he signs an ATO for the rest of rest of the season and finishes the year with the phantoms and you know he starts the contract next season or maybe even gets into a game or two this year if they end up in a range where they're burning a year off the deal i mean sometimes that's what it takes too to get you know to get these players signed so uh yeah i think you'll see york signed and i think you'll see noah kate signed as well when of course minnesota duluth is, is in the tournament and as of now still is in it i haven't heard of any other teams having to withdraw yep Bobby Brink going to return for another collegiate season? 
I think Brink Brink will be back for, for one more season, you know, and then and then turn pro after his junior. Year. Um, awesome. you know, yeah. I, I thought he had a really good world juniors. Um, yeah, he did. Denver team was not very good this year. They took a step backwards and his numbers suffered a little bit. But if you watch, you know, you able to catch any of their games this year, I, I thought he played well and you know, just uh, there wasn't there wasn't much around him. Yeah, he he's got a lot of tenacity in him in that WJC tournament and that U Team USA uh gold medal. Uh and and he really gets after it. it it's not the prettiest thing to look at sometimes, but <laughs> he gets after it, there's no doubt about it. Uh, everybody can check out Prospect Pipeline Pipeline with you Brian and uh Flyers assistant GM Brent Flair. Uh Bill, this was great. Uh, hopefully what we see on the ice this afternoon as the Flyers take on the Rangers once again. Uh, is far different than what we've seen the last two times, <laughs> because uh, I don't know that I can can handle uh, much more of uh, the the bloodletting of pucks going over the goal line uh, the way it has been happening. So hopefully we see a far different team come out on the ice. Uh, it's anyone's guess if we will, but uh, thanks for doing this as always. We appreciate it. All right, man. Thanks to Bill Meltzer for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Again, coming up tomorrow, we'll hear from Tanner Lashinsky, who had the hat trick last night for the Phantoms in a 3-2 win. Three Phantom goals, all three from Lashinsky. You'll hear that conversation I had with him coming up tomorrow. In the meantime, everybody, enjoy your hockey today, hoping for a good result. We all could use it. Have a great day, and we'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Daily.